we give thee the thanks, the praise, the honour, the adoration for all your goodness to us. We know that life is not a sprint, life is a marathon with many twists and turns, with many valleys and hills. And yet we know that we cannot make it without thee. And so we thank thee that you are with us every step of the way. Be with us this morning as we will look into your word. O oh Lord, in, in times like these, we need a saviour. In times like these, we need an anchor. And so we turn to thee, the rock of our salvation, for that assurance, for that confirmation that you are God and you're still on the throne and that many more would see that and turn to you in times of need for succoring, for strengthening, for direction and for salvation. We ask all of these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So the thought that came to me, what <coughs> should we preach on our return <coughs> to physical congregation? And um, it was very clear to me, in season and out of season, the gospel must be preached. The gospel is our lifeline in this world. It's our direction is our guide and every piece of truth in the Gospels um, is what we build our foundation on. And so <clears throat> one narrative in the Gospels that sort of came much closer to home, much uh, more prominent in my mind was the, the story of, or the narrative or the account of the woman of Samaria, the woman at the well. So I'd like, with the Lord's help, to turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 4, <coughs> and like to read through the chapter and then go back for uh, exposition. So first, John, Gospel of John, chapter 4, beginning to read at verse 1. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisee had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though John himself baptized not, but his disciples, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour, about noon. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest to drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. 
Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then thou hast thou this living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman that saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I, may, that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, <clears throat> I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he, who, he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, in that thou saidst truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet, our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah, Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou? Or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went away into the city and saith to the men, Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they <clears throat> went out of the city and came unto him. In the meantime... While his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him any ought to eat? Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him <clears throat> that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, lie eyes, and look up. Look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. 
And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap, that whereupon ye bestowed no labour. Other men laboured, and ye entered into their labours. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him from, for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me, told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them. And he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. And said unto the woman, Now we believe not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ the Savior of the world now after two days he departed thence and went into Galilee for Jesus himself testified that a prophet hath no honor in his own country I'd like to stop reading at verse 44. The chapter that is before us is not something that belongs to the first century AD only. It is extremely relevant, especially based upon the, fine, the, the current events that are going on. The nationalism, the racism. Did you know that there was another shooting this morning, yesterday? In the States, another man was, another black was shot. And they torched the Wendy's restaurant. The police officer was fired. The police department <clears throat> head was, she had resigned. Uh, the tensions in the United States are escalating. Where it's going to stop, we don't know. This is not even COVID. This is not even a world pandemic. But what is happening in the United States may have world repercussions, consequences. And we are almost turning into an anarchistic society. Remember what was said a couple of Sundays ago about freedom, when people want their freedom to do what they want, when they want it, how they want it. When that happens, you go into anarchy, meaning no rule. You become your own ruler. You make your own laws. You become your own lawmaker. And you decide what happens. How's that related to this chapter? Well, it, com it comes out. <clears throat> Not only does it come out from the mouth of the Samaritan woman, but it comes out from the mouth of the disciples. This is such a theologically filled scripture, we just don't realize it. Let's begin with Jesus coming to the well. 
He comes. <clears throat> um, he says he left Judea. And departed again into Galilee to, to his hometown, going north into Nazareth, which is up north. Jesus was not um, born in Nazareth, but he resided in Nazareth. And he must needs go through Samaria. Like it was needful for Jesus to go through Samaria. Now, it doesn't mean that it was the only way. We've heard many times from this pulpit that there were many ways to, to Galilee. One of the more safer ways was to take a right from Jerusalem, go on the other side of the Jordan, go up the bank, and then come back just below the, <coughs> the Sea of Galilee and get up that way because you'd avoid the hostile territory of the north where the Samaritans were. Because the Jews and the Samaritans had no dealings with each other. They were enemies. And the Samaritans <clears throat> were not just enemies because um, they started a new religion. Apparently, if you go back, in, and I did some research on this, if you go back in time, the Samaritans had their own religion a long, long time ago. They had completely uh, rejected any, any scriptures after the Pentateuch. After the first five books of Moses, they just claimed the first five books of the Moses was their scripture. And anything that came after that, the stories of the kings and the, and the uh, prophets and the Psalms and all that, they rejected. They kept the first five books of Moses. So they considered themselves to be the the protectors or the keepers of the original law given by God to, <clears throat> to his people. Um, later on, they did mix with the Gentiles, the pagans, as was prophesied by Isaiah, because of Israel's evil, because of the, if you just read through the book of Judges and Kings, you would see how they spiraled down to just depraved, uh, idolatrous living. And God says, that's it, I've had enough. And he called in Sennacherib and the Assyrians, I forget which king came first, and he removed the nation of Israel, which was in the northern kingdom. This kingdom had already been split after Solomon, after David. And the Solomon's sons decided to have a civil war between themselves. And they went, one went north and the other stayed south. And they built a, a, a golden calf, if you will. They built their own temple up there. And they started worshipping up north. They were afraid if they didn't have their own temple and their own focus of worship, they would lose the people. So they compromised. And for their idolatry, God ripped them out of the land, just took them out all over uh, the Levant, the Assyria, all over Turkey, and it was, a, it was a diaspora. And then there were some Jews that remained, and they intermarried, and they took upon themselves pagan wives and pagan husbands, and they mixed, and they had a now, 
Perhaps for this reason, there was this huge animosity between Jews and Gentiles, between Jews and, and uh, Samaritans. They were so bad that when the Jews tried to accuse Jesus of his teachings, they said, aren't you a Samaritan and you possess a devil? What an accusation. What a slap in the face. What a put down that this Messiah who was healing the sick, the lame, raising the dead, that he is a Samaritan, number one, and that he's got a devil. That was the animosity between the Samaritans and the Jews. Now, Jesus comes to this well at the heat of the day. I just love this story. Details, the details in here. It says that he came to this place, which is called uh, Jacob's well in Sychar. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey. This is just an amazing um, detail that was put in. That yes, Jesus was weary. He was the Son of God. He was God in the flesh. But he became weary. This is what makes, to me, what makes the gospel even more believable. That God would, as Philippians 2 says... Take upon himself no reputation. That he would condescend to, to sinful flesh, to live with us. And just like Hebrews chapter 4 says, that he is not a high priest that is not touched with the infirmities that we have, but was at all points tempted like we were, yet without sin. And there's something more here too. It's midday. This woman comes to draw. It was a custom that women either would draw in the morning or in the evening when it wasn't so hot. And she comes at noon. This is just perhaps speculation. Maybe some did come sometimes at noon if they forgot to draw in the morning or in the evening. But she was there at noon. And Jesus, seeing her, says to her plainly, give me to drink. The disciples couldn't do it. They had gone to get meat at the market in the local village. And I don't know how that went, because if they were enemies, what kind of a negotiation had to go between getting food at the market, maybe increase their fees, I don't know. But the woman rightly says, how is it that you being a Jew asks of me, which am first of all a woman, and secondly, a woman of Samaria. Some people think that, you know, Christianity just has taken all the freedom away from women. 
They've got to be submissive to their husbands. They've got to be obedient. And the husband has the final word. And, and so forth. Well, some of the most prominent women in the Bible receive the greatest honor. And Jesus wasn't afraid to, first of all, talk to a woman, second of all, to talk to this woman of Samaria and ask her to give her drink, to give him drink. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. We've already explained that. Jesus answered and said, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that saith to you, Give me drink, you would have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Now we know why it says, And Jesus must needs go through Samaria. The needs was not because he was so much afraid or he wanted to take a shortcut. He could have found lots of other reasons to go the long way, to meet more people. But there was, I believe, a, a divine appointment here. That this woman's heart was ready. Does it look like it? Because she tried to brush off a few things, try to conceal a few things. But, but Jesus, and it comes out in, the, in, the, in his last dialogue, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus was the first missionary not Philip. Jesus was the first missionary to the Samaritans. And notice how he does it. I mean, he doesn't give a lot of detail as to the exchange, as to the emotions, as to the body language that was going on here. And you can maybe conjecture that in your own minds, but... Just from what Jesus said, you could probably get the tone of what he was saying. He was looking for more dialogue with the woman. He was saying statements that were How could I say? Very, they had eternal meaning to them, if I can just put it that way. He was saying things like, if you would ask me to drink, if, if you knew who it was that, that was offering you this, you would have asked of me and I would have given you. What has that got to do with any water coming from the well? What has that got to do with the conversation? Why did this, all of a sudden, that seems an out-of-place statement. It's a hot day, you're thirsty, now you're telling me about, you know, if you were to ask me, if you knew who I was, you would say, give me the drink of that which is eternal. 
and he would have given you that living water, you will never thirst again. I think Jesus, being the first missionary to the Samaritans, and being, if, if arguably, the first missionary of the New Testament, John the Baptist came baptizing, preparing his way. But Jesus went out and started preaching. John the Baptist says, repent and bring forth fruit, meat for repentance, right? Jesus went out saying, repent and believe the gospel. We just saw in chapter 4, verse um, 1, When therefore the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples baptized, he left Judea. He was, he was out there seeking disciples from the day he started his earthly ministry at the age of about 30 years old. He started a conversation. He didn't come out and just give a, a, a dump of all he knew about her, and he did know. He didn't just load it off and say, this is you, da-da, 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 and you need to repent. He didn't say that. And perhaps <clears throat> many times it's not what we say, it's how we say it and when we say it. When, when Jesus wants someone to turn to him to become his disciples, Jesus just doesn't want to point a finger and say, you're condemned. As a matter of fact, read John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For he sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. Can you believe that? Can you believe that God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world? What's it all about? It's about sin, isn't it? It's about messing up. It's about... Doing the wrong things. It's about violating the law of God. And surely, as the Old Testament says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. He asked the question. And he's drawing out of this woman... What he knows is there, and what she knows is there. You know, many times it's not about whether we're sinners or not. I mean, that's an established fact. It's also an established fact that we're condemned already, as John 3.18 says. For they that believe not are condemned already. So there's no need for Jesus to come and condemn someone. They're condemned already.
But he's talking to this woman in a way that he would draw it out of her, that she would take ownership of her sin. If we don't take ownership of our sin, there's no point in getting baptized just because Jesus commanded it. If we don't take ownership of our sin, if we don't see what we have done, if we don't see the harm that we've created, if we don't see the vo- that we have indeed, in fact, violated the law of the most high and holy God, the creator of heaven and earth, you know how the saying goes, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. If we don't see the error of our way, whether it's in this life, whether it's at work, whether it's the way we drive a car, whether it's the way we interact with people, if we don't see what, where we went wrong, we failed. If we haven't learned the lessons from that and then changed our mind about that the next time, We're no better off. We may be worse off. Because seeing ourselves as we are, as Jesus said to the Jews, they tried to convince him that he was a sinner. He says, which one of you has convinced me of sin? What have you shown to me that I have done to have violated the law of God? Even the law of Moses. No one could convince him. Because he couldn't find it. So it's not the preacher. The preacher's goal to convince you that you're a sinner. You know your heart. I don't know your heart. But what I do know is God says there is none righteous. No, not one. I will not accuse you of my, before my father. My, my word will accuse you, Jesus says. I didn't come to condemn. The word of God will condemn. Michael fighting over the, over the body of Moses rebuked the devil and says, the Lord rebuke you. What do you... What do you think I am. I'm not the lawgiver here. For vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Moses, when he was, ch- when he was chiding, when the Israelites were chiding with him concerning what they should have, what they shouldn't have, he said, why do you approach me? Why do you tempt the Lord? It's the word of the Lord, not mine. I'm just the messenger. So this woman was she trying to ignore the previous statement if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is speaking to you give to me to drink you would have asked of him and he would have given the living water the woman saith unto him sir thou hast nothing to draw with and the well is deep from whence then thou hast this living water Reminds me of Nicodemus, right? Jesus said, except a man be born again of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Nicodemus says, hmm, 
Well, how can a man enter the second time into his mother's womb? How can that happen? That's physically impossible. The woman says, how can that happen? You don't have a, anything to draw with. How can you give me this living water? She thinks that this living water is still in the well. Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us this well and drank thereof himself? And you know, Jesus was not surprised. When she didn't understand this, Jesus was not surprised. Jesus didn't, and, and when he saw this woman and he knew her history, he was not surprised that he has to now recondemn this woman. Whatsoever, whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, Jesus said, but whoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into eternal life. And then this woman still wanted to crave for this water. What is it? Give it to me. Give me this water that I thirst not, neither come here to draw. I'm not sure whether she was still speaking of the physical water. It seems like she was still speaking of this physical water. But inside of her, she knew she had bigger problems than physical water. At least you can come there once a day and get water. And then Jesus keeps probing a bit further. He said, go call your husband. Call your husband. And she says, I have no husband. Jesus said, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands. And he whom by thou now, that thou now hast, is not thy husband. And this, this is what you truly said. When she said that, she immediately then thought, this man's a prophet. We don't know the history of what was going through this mind. We don't know the demeanor of this woman. But I could believe, as is depicted in many depictions of this woman, that she was deeply troubled inside. She was deeply troubled and she didn't know how to deal with this. The guilt, the shame, the, the, the spiral of depravity that she had entered into, she knew the law. She knew in the books of Moses, that's what they believed in. Because later on she quotes the Messiah. How she picks that one out of the five books of Moses, it's there. You know, the Lord God shall raise a governor and so forth. There's all kind, in, the, in the early books of Genesis, there's pictures and hints the Messiah will come, the one that was born of a woman and so forth. She knew that the Messiah would come. But she got hung 
up in this life of depravity. And there are many that get hung up in the life of depravity. There are many that become slaves. Whether it's to abusive situations, whether it's to drugs, whether it's to alcohol, whether it's to pornography, whether it, they, they become slaves. And, you know, you don't have to be a part of these big five, whatever they are, to know that you're a slave. A slave to work. A slave to meeting with other people's expectations and failing miserably. A slave to a, a mundane, unfulfilled life. Depression. Anxiety. We have many people in our circles that we all know full well that are in bondage. Just the other day, somebody posted this testimony of a young guy. He was in his car and he, he, he was bawling his eyes out. So you wouldn't believe what happened to me. I've been on the street. I've been, you know, under substance abuse. I've been this and I've been that. And, and I was delivering these pizzas to, to this church or whatever. And I didn't know how to go in. I just went in there and the guy took the box and says, come here, you take a box and, I'll, and I'll, you come in here and I'll introduce you to the church. He walked out of that church, bawling his eyes out because they all gave him 600 bucks total. He was bawling his eyes out. He was admitting that he's a failure. He's under drugs. His life is all messed up. Who knows where he came from? Did he come from a rich man's house that didn't pay attention to him? Did he come from an alcoholic's house that didn't pay attention to him? People everywhere. People everywhere. And you think it's one out of a hundred? It's probably two out of ten. Or more. And they need help. And Jesus comes in. He breaks down the, the gender barrier. He breaks down the racial barrier. And he says, I want your heart. I want to get down to the root cause. What's happening? It's sin. The woman said, I perceive you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Now it's a matter of, what's your religion? What's my religion? How does your religion differ from my religion? How many times have you got onto that? I'm, when I was a young uh, believer or start, upstart in church, you know, the first thing is, you know, what do you do? What, how does your religion practice? How does your church practice this?
And sometimes it would be ridiculous. The things that they would divide over. What is the essence of the gospel? Jesus said it right here. It's not about buildings. We could worship for three months without a building. We could have sweet fellowship without a building. Jesus said, woman, believe me. Believe me, the hour comes when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet in Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. You don't know what you're worshipping. You just go into the rituals just like the Jews of old. They just went through the rituals and God said, I've had enough of your sacrifices. He that sacrifices an ox is as if he cuts up a dog's head. They're a stench to my nostrils because they're not worshipping me in spirit and in truth. They're worshipping me in form and format. And say, God, here, here's a little bit. Be satisfied with that. I've done what you wanted me to do. But the hour comes, and now is, now is, when the true worshippers that worship the Father shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In other words, from your heart. You've got to worship him from your heart. God sees your heart. God knows the motivations of your heart. God knows what you believe. And God says, give me your heart. And that's what he wanted from her. Lord, we know that the Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he cometh, he will tell all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Here's another deep theological statement. I am. Was Jesus asking for a drink of water because that was his main call to come there to to the well to get a drink of water and he would receive something that he needed from man? When I think of that, I think of, of Psalm 8 where it says, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou visit. What is it that you can receive from man? What is it? Who are we? Who is man that you can get something from us? And the apostle, whoever wrote Hebrews, in the Hebrews 1 says, he uses that verse to proclaim the divinity of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is God. And then, after seeing this and after realizing that only the supernatural can read into my heart, she believed. And she goes and spreads the good news to the whole city. She goes out and says, this man has told me all that I ever did. I'm wondering if there was more detail that was given 
in between the conversation with Jesus or not. I don't know. I don't say that everything that Jesus spoke was written, was, even John says, it's not written down. But I wonder if there's more detail that was given here. She goes and tells the city. The city comes out at a report and now they believe not because of what she told them as much as what they heard themselves. And Jesus said that the, the harvest is great. The harvest is great. They're white, ready for harvest. And he pleaded with the people, with everyone there, pray that God will send out <clears throat> those into the harvest, that there will be a great fruit unto eternal life, so that he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. I sent you to reap, that whereupon ye bestowed no labour, other men laboured, and you are entered into their labours. This is a collaboration. We are fellow workers together with God. We are synergistic. God, God wants us to work with him in bringing many more sons unto glory. I was reminded of a chapter in... Um, Isaiah, I used to listen to this song when I got married. My wife had these tapes. But he's actually a song based on Isaiah chapter 12. And it came to my mind when this story came, account came in the, into, the, uh, into my mind for the morning message. Isaiah 12 says, Therefore with joy shall ye draw water, out of the wells of salvation. And in that day shall ye say, Praise the Lord. Call upon him in the name, call upon his name, declare his doings among the people, make mention that his name is exalted. Isaiah was the evangelist of the Old Testament, and I'd like to perhaps conclude on Isaiah 61. This is the one that almost got him killed, if I could say that, in the, in the New Testament, when he stood up in the synagogue in Nazareth and he, he proclaimed the acceptable day of the Lord. Isaiah 61, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach the good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. I can fully believe that this Samaritan woman inside was so ashamed of her life. And this refreshing 
meeting with Jesus Christ just completely unloaded her guilt, her shame. And she went away rejoicing to that city to tell everyone the Messiah is here. And God will give us beauty for ashes and oil of joy for mourning. You have to know that this does not come automatically. Like he just sprinkles everyone with joy. He just sprinkles everyone with beauty. The condition there is a mourning heart. It's a attitude of contrition. Ashes were used as an attitude of repentance. Sackcloth and ashes. And God's going to replace it with beauty. I just pray that everyone here would, not just the unconverted, but especially the converted, have a greater appreciation for the grace of God. For what he has done for us. And that we don't fall into the trap that the Jews of old did. That felt formality. And as long as I'm in church, that's all that matters. What is your life behind the scenes? What do you do in the closet? What do you do in your private life? What kind of an evangelist are you for the Lord Jesus Christ? What kind of a witness are you for the Lord Jesus Christ? If there's anywhere we can greatly improve, I'll leave that thought with us all this, this morning. To him be the glory evermore. Amen. Does a brother have a hymn, please?